Drug Target Review's podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Capon, Editorial Assistant at Drug Target Review. In this episode, we'll be discussing the advancements being made in high-throughput screening. Bringing the expertise today, I'm thrilled to introduce Luke Alderwick, Senior Group Leader, Discovery Sciences at Charles River Laboratories, and Sachin Mahale, Research Leader in High-Throughput Screening at Charles River Laboratories. It would be fantastic to hear more about your backgrounds, so I'll pass over to you, Luke. Thanks, Ellen. Um, delighted to be here. So yeah, I'm Luke Alderick. I've been working with Charles River Laboratories now for nearly two years as a senior group leader in HGS and its identification. Prior to that, I was associate professor of biochemistry at the University of Birmingham in the UK, and where I directed and set up the drug discovery facility. It's an academic lab which allowed us to collaborate with other academics, but also with, with biotech, with industry, working alongside CROs on a variety of early stage drug discovery projects that required novel assay development and then implementation of that assay into high throughput screening projects. And then I made the transition almost two years ago now into industry and I've been at CRL since. Brilliant. Thank you, Luke. I'm passing over to you, Sachin. Hi, my name is Sachin Mahale, working as a research leader in Charles River. I've been with Charles River from last five years in the heat ID HTS department. My background is a PhD in cell and molecular biology and worked for various pharmaceutical and biotech companies before joining Charles River. Oh, thank you, Sachin. So to kick off today's conversation, could you tell us what the key technological advancements driving the efficacy and accuracy of high-throughput screening methods are? Luke, if we start with you. It's remarkable, really. Uh, High-throughput screening by HTS has undergone uh, significant advancements driven by innovations in various technologies from a number of vendors in the HTS community. For example, liquid handling platforms such as droplet-based liquid dispensers, the echo platforms, the integration of a variety of different microtiter plate readers has enabled us to facilitate the screening of extremely large compound libraries uh, with minimal sample volumes, increasing the efficiency of the drug discovery process. Other crucial advancements are integration of automation robotics which streamline assay workflows to reduce human error. Automated liquid handling systems equipped with advanced robotics and sophisticated software enabled the rapid dispensing of reagents and samples, which have significantly increased the throughput screening campaigns. On top of that, advancements in imaging technologies such as high-content screening systems, or HDS, have improved the ability to capture and analyse complex cellular phenotypes in a high-throughput capacity, enhancing the efficacy of HDS methods in identifying potential drug candidates. And these technological advancements have collectively contributed to the efficacy and accuracy of HDS methods, enabling us to screen even larger library compounds, improving data quality and accelerating the drug discovery process. Well, thank you for sharing, Luke. Sachin, would you like to add anything? Yes, uh, I, I would just add that I think um, some innovations in molecular biology in past few years have really speed up the process of HDS. So technologies like um, HDRF or UltraScreen, I think these are the modern technologies we use for the HTS screening, which allows testing of up to even, as Luke mentioned, up to even million compounds in a workflow, which is amenable for the for the HTS platforms. So that allows, those, those are some of the key technologies which are allowing the HTS to move with the speed. 
Great. So leading on from that, could you elaborate on the role of automation robotics in HTS workflows and how these advancements impact the speed and reliability of drug discovery processes? I think automation and robotics go hand in hand and play a crucial role in accelerating HTS workflows. I guess one significant advancement is the integration of robotic platforms equipped with advanced liquid handling systems have automated various steps involved in screening assays, again, including compound dispensing, plate preparation, and also on top of that, then data acquisition, depending upon the platforms used or the, uh, the devices that have been used to, to capture raw data, such as microtiter plate readers. Collectively, I guess, these, these automated systems minimise human intervention where possible. The, the main reason is to reduce risk of, of errors, ensuring consistent, reproducible results across experiments. I think the integration and use of robotics in automation of HTS workflows, they enable the parallelization of assays, allowing for simultaneous screening of multiple compounds or targets, um, significantly increasing throughput. Yes, you know, one example might be, for instance, robotics is we can perform high throughput screening campaigns in not just grade four well, but we're moving towards 1536 well plate formats where possible, especially if you're looking at biochemical or biophysical screening modalities. Again, it enables the screening of large compound libraries with unprecedented speed and efficiency. But for me, one of the important things really is by increasing the implementation of, of rigorous quality control measures such as barcode tracking, sample tracking protocols, ensures data integrity and ensuring that screen experiments are performed to an extremely high standard. This not only improves the reliability of HHS results, but really enhances data management and the traceability throughout the drug discovery process, accelerating therapies to the patients that, that really need it. So robotics does allow us to um, allow us to use multiple platforms, like as you say in the HTS, the multiple steps like reagent addition or compound management or cell culture management. So integration of all these different disciplines, uh, automation does allow them to come together and for a scientist to work on those platforms and walk away from the from the actual HTS screening do autonomously. I think that's the biggest benefit of what HTS platforms we currently use. And a simple robotic arm to move these multi-well plates from one station to another, that clearly offers the advantage of uh, running the HTSs in a timely manner and producing the heat matter, which is needed for some of the drug discovery programs. I think just to just elaborate a little bit further on that as well, you know, automation systems cover everything from cell line production to protein production, uh, the production of reagents, reagent dispensing. Key thing is implementation of these automated platforms collectively reduce cycle time, again, allow for the miniaturization of assays, which in turn reduce the cost, which is something that you have to be cognizant of if you are working on a drug discovery program. Again, reproducibility and the quality of data is, is the, probably the most important thing here. I guess the ultimate aim really is to identify meaningful chemical starting points that exhibit the desirable pharmacological activity that you want from a hit that can then be further refined and optimised uh, in the lead optimization process to essentially ultimately improve patient outcomes at the very end of the drug discovery project. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much both. Um, so how does HTS contribute to the identification of potential off-target effects and toxicity of drug candidates? 
that question is something beyond uh, the HTS um, cascade. So what we normally define as HTS cascade is it's a process to identify a preliminary heat matter with a desired pharmacological effect. We can incorporate assays which will detect false positive, which will detect some of the toxicological effects. But that's not the main purpose of HTS. Those assays can be incorporated in the downstream uh, hit to lead or lead optimization steps. The purpose of HTS is mainly to find out that hit matter, which with a hit matter earlier on. And as you mentioned, various programs can incorporate those assays with a toxicity effect or, uh, as you say, um, even the bioavailability of the compounds, those can be, or, or a HERG assay to find out any toxicity with the cardiomyocytes. So those are the those are the assays can be incorporated, but that's not the main purpose of the HTS um, we run here. Again, automated platforms and assays can be run against libraries, specifically looking at those assays that Sachin was alluding to, such as looking for specific markers of cardiotoxicity or even hepatotoxicity as well to measure metabolic activity, cell viability or markers of liver injury, for instance. They, they, they can be conducted and screened in a HGS fashion against a library before it's even been conducted against the drug target in question. There's other things that can also be used as well. So... HTS platforms can also incorporate in silico predictive models and computational toxicological approaches to prioritize compounds for further testing based upon their structural properties, the pharmacokinetic profiles, and known sort of toxic liabilities. Again, these computational tools can enable and help assist in the rapid screening of large compound libraries and provide valuable insights to potential off-target interactions and also potentially adverse effects. Thank you so much both. This podcast is in association with Molecular Devices. With its innovative life science technology, Molecular Devices makes scientific breakthroughs possible for academic, pharmaceutical, government and biotech customers. Head to moleculardevices.com to find out more. So to add, uh, what recent developments in HTS have significantly expanded its applications beyond traditional drug delivery, like in drug repurposing? In the realm of drug repurposing, right, it's also known as drug repositioning or drug reprofiling. This involves then identifying new therapies it uses for existing drugs that were originally developed for a different indication. And again, HTS provides a powerful tool for systematically screening approved drugs or investigational compounds against a wide range of biological targets, either in potentially a biochemical assay, but also increasingly becoming more relevant would be cellular assays that might express a target in a physiologically relevant state, therefore facilitate discovery of novel therapeutic applications of existing therapies. So one notable development is then utilisation of phenotypic screening approaches in HTS. So this involves the evaluation of compound effects on uh, cellular or organismal phenotypes without prior knowledge of what that molecular target might be. This allows then for the discovery of potentially unexpected drug target interactions. For example, uh, a HGS assay using disease-relevant cellular models or animal models can identify existing drugs with therapeutic potential for conditions beyond their original indication. I guess on top of that as well, uh, advances in computational and data mining techniques have enabled uh, the integration of diverse data sets, including genomic, transcriptomic, clinical data to identify potential drug disease associations and predictive novel indications for existing drugs and machine learning algorithms and network-based approaches 
can leverage these large-scale data repositories to uncover all sorts of different hidden relationships relationships between drugs, between targets and diseases, potentially facilitating the discovery of new therapeutic opportunities. I would add to that that I think selection of a library is also quite a key when you're repurposing the existing drugs. So many CROs or companies have a subset of library which would contain all these compounds in the clinical trials or compounds which are already drugs. So testing those compounds in various different um, assays or various different, against various different um, indications or drug targets can lead to repurposing of these compounds. So I think that's one of the hot area uh, at this point of time. Many people are looking to repurpose the existing drugs. Thank you both. So considering the vast amount of data generated by HTS, what strategies or tools are being implemented to manage and analyse this data effectively? Managing and analysing the vast amounts of data that's generated through a HTS project is definitely essential for deriving meaningful insights and identifying promising drug candidates. Um, to address this challenge, I guess, HTS scientists employ a combination of strategies and different tools to streamline data management analysis and then interpretation of those processes. So, one key strategy is to use uh, data management systems specifically designed for HTS data. These facilitate integration, storage and retrieval of heterogeneous data types generated from screening experiments, including raw data, compound library, structural data, metadata. Examples of widely used informatics platforms and software suites include such as activity-based gene data, screener, dogmatic vortex, which provide customizable solutions for data organisation, visualisation of the data, and then also analysis and interpretation. So what uh, we also do is as the software switch Luke mentioned, so we use various softwares to speed the data analysis. As uh, you'd appreciate, I think HTS produces vast amount of data, depending on the technology and what, what assay. Particularly if we do go for phenotypic assays or high content-based assays. So processing that data is a key coming for the HTS to be successful. And what we also do is linking those softwares, integrating them to the electronic lab books or the data sharing with the clients for uh, like dotmatics or electronic lab books. So that that's also enables us to process the HTS data much faster than the traditional methods. Um, how does the integration of omics approaches into HTS methods enhance the depth of understanding of biological systems? This is an interesting question. So when we think of running a HTS, we're often thinking about screening a compound library against either a phenotypic asset that we've been discussing where we, we don't know the target, but we can measure the, the biological response through multi-parametric outputs, or might be against a biochemical target or a biophysical target where we are measuring, say, for instance, the inhibition or the activation of, a, of an enzyme, for instance. If you're looking at a cellular system and would like to then integrate additional omics-based approaches, you're, you're going kind of beyond hit ID. So you're now taking the, the chemical hits and then integrating on top of that then additional data. And, and this is extremely important if you want to deconvolute a drug target against a, a compound with known pharmacological activity against that particular target might have desired pharmacological response in a cellular system. 
in order to really drill down and identify specifically what's happening at a molecular level within a cellular phenotype, this is where you can employ different omics-based approaches, such as transcriptomics, proteomics, metabolomics. You know, when you integrate that into a HGS campaign, you're revolutionizing your understanding of biological systems and enabling you to facilitate the discovery of novel targets and therapeutic interventions. So, for instance, you know, you could you could integrate uh, transcriptomic profiling of a diseased tissue or cell line uh, coupled with a functional HCS assay to enable the systematic screening of potential drug targets and biomarkers associated with the disease phenotype. And you could employ the use of genome-wide CRISPR-Cas knockout screens combined with HTS to identify genes essential for cancer survival, for instance, or drug resistance, providing insights into new therapeutic targets and then different novel mechanisms of actions. Yes, I would just add that um, um, in addition to some of the the biological assays run in the HTS, with some of the innovations, as Luke mentioned, in the in the molecular biology, allows setting up the assays with the primary cells or patient-derived cells, and that can actually help to run the assays in a more physiologically relevant environment or the physiologically relevant cell types. Also, uh, running the HTS assays in uh, iPSC-derived cells or stem cells, that provides a completely different environment from the traditional HTS assays. So all these, I think, advances um, in the cell biology and molecular biology techniques does allow HTS to expand its um, its screening abilities. Just one of the thoughts on integrating omics-based approaches into HCS workflows might be, for instance, characterization of drug-induced changes in cellular pathways and signaling networks on a global scale. So if you're using proteomic and metabolomic profiling of cells or tissues treated with candida compounds, it can reveal their molecular signatures associated with drug efficacy, toxicity, and also off-target effects. Uh, so this information not only aids the selection of lead compounds with optimal pharmacological profiles, but it also then guides then the optimization of drug candidates to minimise adverse effects. Um, so okay. as our final touch point for today, could you elaborate on the ways in which HTS is being utilised to explore and identify potential therapeutic targets for complex diseases such as neurodegenerative disorders? So neurodegenerative disorders are extremely important, especially in an ageing global population. You know, we can classify these either as Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's disease, uh, ALS. These disorders pose significant challenges due to their multifactorial nature, the lack of effective treatments. This makes HTS an invaluable tool for accelerating target discovery and drug discovery and development efforts in this area. One approach employed in HTS in neurodegenerative diseases is in the screening of compound libraries against disease-relevant cellular animal models to identify molecules that modulate uh, pathological processes associated with the disorders. And Sachin touched on this earlier, looking at neuronal cell lines or primary neurons derived from patient IPSCs. They can be used to screen compounds that promote neuronal survival, inhibit protein aggregation, for instance, to modulate synaptic function which are key pathways implicated in neurodegeneration. Again, you know, as we spoke about earlier, these HS platforms enable us to screen libraries of small molecules, natural products, approved drugs to identify compounds with neuroprotective properties or disease-modifying effects. And again, you can take phenotypic screening approaches as well 
which might assess the functional impact of compounds on disease relevant endpoints such as cell viability, neurite outgrowth, neurotransmitter release, allowing for the discovery of potentially novel therapeutic areas or agents with diverse mechanisms of action. So uh, I'm going to pass over to Sachin, who might want to continue on that. On the difficult um, to target um, diseases like neurodegeneration, I think as Luke mentioned, there are various um, cell models we use. Uh, but in addition to that, I think selection of a library is also a key component. So compounds which are designed as a brain penetrant are found to be working better in these models. And those are the compounds where people start with uh, to identify some initial hit matter. So different uh, various CROs or companies will have subsets of uh, libraries which are brain penetrant to use in this particular disease models. So HTS is always the combination of what compounds you choose, what assays you employ, and what assays you also have downstream for the to lead or lead optimization purpose. So this is how um, we, we tackle difficult diseases with HTS. Thank you both. And that's a wrap for this chat today. A huge thanks to Luke and Slatchin for contributing their insights on this podcast and providing such a fascinating conversation. It's been great to talk to you both. You're welcome. It's been fantastic. Thank you for having us on. And um, yeah, look forward to listening to more podcasts of yours in the future. And thank you for our listeners to tuning into this Drug Target Review podcast. I've been Ellen, Editorial Assistant of Drug Target Review.